Hi Church. I want to share with you today a message entitled How to Make Our Lives Count for God. You know, it has been a unique year, a challenging one. So as we come to the close of this year, I sense that for many of us, we have gone through difficult days. But the key I want to share with you is this, before we close this year, we must pull ourselves out of this gloom and doom feeling. Because if we don't do that, we will be sucked into what I call a whirlpool of spiritual stagnation, lethargy, disappointment, depression. So we must snap out of it. And so I want to share with you this weekend on how we can close the year well and start the next year well because how we enter is dependent on how we exit. So I'm going to share with you from a passage of scripture from Acts chapter 24, verse 22 to 27. I have preached on this passage several years ago, so I want to revisit again. So let me read first of all, Acts chapter 24, verses 22 to 27. Then Felix, was well, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control and a judgment to come. Felix was afraid and he said, that's enough for me, that's enough, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. Verse 27, two years had passed. Felix was succeeded by Portius Fexus because Felix wanted to grant a favour to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. After reading this passage, I want to draw out three ways in which we can make our lives count from this passage. Firstly, we must maximise our opportunities. Secondly, we must manage our priorities. And thirdly, very important, we must make sure that we hand down or pass down very well to our past posterity. First of all, we must maximise our opportunities. Look at Felix. Who was he? He was a morally corrupt man. He was the governor of Sisera, at that time uh, a Roman province. And not only that, he was described in verse 22 
as someone who was well acquainted with the way. In other words, he knows about Christianity a lot, but he had no personal relationship with Jesus. He was a man who governed with brutality, murders, and he was in great debt. That's why he asked Paul for a bride. And uh, he was married three times, and it was recorded that he hired a sorcerer to entice Drusilla to leave her husband to marry him. So, who was Felix? A morally bankrupt person. But here, he was faced face to face with Paul, a man of high morals, a man of high integrity. So, let me share with you how we must maximize our opportunities from Paul's point of view. Im imagine the scenario. Here, here, here was Paul in chains below, and here was Felix up there, seated on a, on a, on a high seat. Felix was the hunter. Paul was the hunted. Felix was the victor. Paul was the victim. Felix was a free man. Paul was in chains. Felix had the authority to free Paul. Paul was at his mercy, so to speak. But suddenly, we read in Acts 24, verse 25, Something happened. The tables were turned. Everything was reversed. Why? Because in chapter 24, verse 25, we read this. Felix was afraid. And then he said, that's enough, Paul, that's enough for now. You may leave, and when I find it convenient, I will send for you. What happened? Suddenly, the victor became the victim. The hunter became the hunted. The man who was supposed to have authority was now afraid. Why? Because Felix was face to face with a man who stood on a higher moral ground. More than just a moral confrontation, this was a spiritual confrontation. And Paul made use, maximized his opportunities. Nowhere is it ever written that Paul stated his case, but no. Paul used this occasion, maximized his opportunities for good and for God. And Paul overcame the victim became the victor. Can I share this with you, my friend? Can I encourage you? You know, in these challenging times of gloom and doom, I told you earlier, if we are not careful, we will, we will be sucked down in a whirlpool of disappointment, even depression, spiritual stagnation, all that kind of negative feelings will now overpower us 
Listen, we must overcome. If not, we will be overcome. You know, next year for SIBKL, our theme for next year would be Together We Overcome. Come on, wherever you are, in your homes, in your living room or your bedroom, can you say this together with me? All right, let's say it together with, with me. One, two, three. Together We Overcome. One more time. One, two, three. Together We Overcome. Well done. Well done. Can I encourage you that during this period of gloom and doom, rather than be overcome, let us overcome. Let us rise above whatever circumstances that try to invade us. You know, you know it has been said in, in war, the best defence is attack. For that matter, even in chess, the best defence is attack. Ask any chess player. Incidentally, uh, it's a very good series on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit. It's very good. It's about a young girl that became the chess champion. But you ask any general or any chess grandmaster, the best defence is attack. So while waiting for all these forces to overcome us and attack us, come on, church, let's rise up. Let's overcome how? There are so many people outside there who need us. There are so many people who are traumatised. Come on, friends. Let us overcome by counselling them, by looking for opportunities to, to help them. Remember, the best defence is attack. When we begin to do this, we will then begin to overcome our own circumstances. Uh, listen. Christmas is just around the corner. Can I encourage you, don't waste this season away. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate, more than celebrate. Let's make use of the opportunity to even invite our non-Christian friends, our pre-believing members of the family in a Christmas watch party. Isn't it amazing? Come on, let's celebrate Christmas together. Shall we do that? So. In SIBKL, we encourage our church, our members and ourselves to have a small watch party, not a big one. Invite neighbours and, 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 and family members to have a wonderful time of celebration and perhaps even to evangelise. But the key is this. Make our lives count. Maximise our opportunities. Don't waste it away. Recently, I saw a cartoon of Martin Luther uh, with a remote control on his hand pointing towards the TV. And uh, you know, there was uh, in that cartoon uh, uh, words showing what he was thinking at that time. He was thinking, shall I pin my 95 theses now? Maybe I should wait to do that after the late night movie. And goes on, he's thinking, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Should I do it? And then down below, the caption writes, What happened if Luther had TV? He would not have pinned the 95 theses in time. But praise the Lord, Luther 
pinned the 95 Theses on the door of the cathedral at Wittenberg in 1516, sometime in October. And because he did that, the whole of the spiritual landscape of Christendom was changed, and the rest is history. Listen to me very carefully. Maximize our opportunities for good and for God. And that leads me to the second way in which we can make our lives count. Not only maximize our opportunities, manage our priorities. Many things want to occupy our time. Many things want to age God out. But can I encourage you? This time, this season, come on, let's, let's put God first. Let's, let's not allow other priorities, they may be very important, to age God out of our lives. Let, let me read to you verse 25 to 27 in this passage. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and a judgment to come, Felix was afraid. And he said, that's enough for, you, for now, you may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. Verse 27 is very important. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favour to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. The key is this, the crux is this, two years passed and Felix never, never made a decision for Jesus. Why? He procrastinated. He postponed it. And yet frequently, we, we read frequently, he asked for Paul, say for two years, say maybe out of 104 weeks, 50 weeks, 50 times alternate weeks. So 50 times, I'm just speculating, just giving you an example. 50 times he heard Paul preach the gospel. 50 times he heard Paul discourse on righteousness, self-control and judgment to come. Nothing happened. Maybe he will say to Paul, Paul, not today. Maybe tomorrow. So maybe you say to me, Pastor, I've heard your message so many times. Not today, Pastor. Not today. Not this weekend. Maybe tomorrow. But you know, tomorrow never came for Felix. Tomorrow never came for Felix. Like what we always say, so near, yet so far. Don't procrastinate. You know, when I was a medical student, one of the books I read a couple of times was a book by C.S. Lewis, and I'm sure many of you have read this book before. It's a bestseller called Screwtape Letters. And I want to recall this story that was told in this book. Many of you are very familiar with this story. 
of how Satan once called a meeting of all the demons and asked them what is the best strategy to prevent people from accepting Jesus Christ or living a godly Christian life. So one demon said, Sir, 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 I got the answer. Tell them there is no God. Satan shook his head. No. Many people believe there's some form of a God. It won't work. Another demon said, Sir, me, 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 send me, send me. I will tell them there is a God, but there is no heaven and there is no earth. Satan thought for a while. It won't work. Because most people believe there is some kind of an experience afterlife. He went on and on. And finally, the smallest demon said, Sir, I've got the idea. Tell them there is a God. Tell them there is heaven. Tell them there is a hell. But tell them not today. Maybe tomorrow. Satan immediately jumped up. Jumped up. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. And do you know that today, that is the most effective strategy of the devil? Not today, Pastor. Good message. Maybe tomorrow. But my friend, tomorrow may never come for you. Manage your priorities. Paul discussed on three key issues. And every one of these three key issues needs to be addressed as a priority. Number one, righteousness. Oh, I know you were telling me, those who are scholars, hey, pastor, he's talking about imputed righteousness. True. But do you know there is also another kind of righteousness called righteous acts? Deeds of righteousness? How do I know that? Well, many of you know that I'm studying revelations now in preparation for our pulpit teaching next year on the book of Revelations. And believe me, my friend, believe me, acts of righteousness matter a lot in eternity. Revelations chapter 19, verse 8. We will be dressed, however, for the wedding supper of the Lamb in garments of righteousness. In other words, uh, if you do not impute, you will have imputed righteousness because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. But if you are not doing righteous acts, believe me, you're naked in heaven. Self-control. Very important issue. Oh, I'm touching on a raw nerve now. Let, 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 me, let me read to you a passage of scripture in Titus chapter 2 that I found. I, I didn't even know that such a, a, a passage has existed until this, this time about self-control. Let me just read it without comment. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 to verse 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. 
It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live well-controlled, self-controlled rather, upright and godly lives in the present age. Let me repeat that. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So while we wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul exhorts us, live self-controlled lives. It matters. It matters, my friend. But the third issue that Paul discussed with Felix brings shudder to me, as I, even as I talk this. Why? Because I told you, I eat, sleep and dream revelation now, eh? honestly speaking. And the judgment to come really scares me. You will hear more about it next year. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 tells us clearly, it is appointed unto men once to die. Every one of us, without exception, will die. And after that, the judgment. Every one of us will be judged. Christians or non-Christians. Let me just read to you a couple of passages from verses from Revelations, just to tease you. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which, was, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. Verse 13 continues. Each person was judged according to what he has done. Both Christians and non-Christians will be judged, albeit differently. You've heard me say this before, and I will say this again when I shared with you on Zechariah chapter 6 a few weeks ago. You know, when we die, there are two things in life that we cannot do anymore. Number one, we cannot repent of our sins anymore already, that's for sure. We cannot repent anymore. And secondly, we cannot do any more righteous acts for God anymore because time has run out for us. In other words, when you say to God, God, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, time may not be on your side. So can I encourage you, while we still have the time and the opportunity, repent, serve God, do acts of kindness for His people, do acts of kindness to the world. Because believe me, these two acts matter in heaven. 
So how do we make our lives count for God? Number one, as we close this year, let's look for opportunities to witness, to counsel, to encourage. Let's maximize opportunities for good and for God. Let's manage our priorities so that we put God first and not postpone it. But thirdly, it's very important. Make sure that we pass down well to our posterity. In other words, whatever we do here on the earth, make sure that our children and the next generation remember us well, that we pass down a godly legacy, not only material things. If you are an employer, if you are a man of influence, you don't want your employees and people who know you to curse and swear at you because you have been a lousy boss. You don't want your children to remember you, sir, as the, as the father that divorced his mother. You don't want to do that. You want to live your life well for good and for God and for posterity. More important than all of this, can I, can I encourage you? Make sure you are all right. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Make your calling and your election sure. Make your calling and your election sure. As I close, what really happened to Felix and Drusilla in the end? Eh? Well, Felix was later executed by the Emperor Nero. What a tragic end. Drusilla, she perished at the volcanic eruption at Mount Vesuvius. Do you know recently uh, a cast of a rich man and a poor man was found near Mount Vesuvius? And this is a picture of that cast. When I saw that picture and that discovery, it reminded me, it doesn't really matter actually whether you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't really matter in this life, whether you're successful or whether you are wealthy or whether you are famous. No. We all end up the same way. The key is this, my friend. Live your life well for God while there is still time. Maximize your opportunities. Manage your priorities and make sure that you pass down your, to your posterity well. Let me close by quoting William Shakespeare. In, in one of his plays, he tells the story of a man who talks to another man of how he had just comforted a dying man. And this is what he said. I, to comfort him, bid him. He should not think of God. I hope there was no need to trouble himself with any such thoughts yet. Let me paraphrase it with Malaysian English. Forgive me uh, if I am, um, I use slang or whatever it is. 
it would be like this. I, uh, why trouble yourself? Got time, uh, why bother? Maybe tomorrow, la. Got no time now, la. Tomorrow may never come. Make your life count, my friend. Make your life count and live for the glory of God. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray, God, even as we come to the close of a very challenging year, may it be that all the things that has happened to us or to the world will not dull us, but instead awaken our spirit that we know that time is short. So, Father, we want to pray today that we will not waste our time chasing after worthless things, going after meaningless pursuits that in the end for eternity does not count at all. But help us, Father, to live our lives well for the glory of God. Oh, Father, I want to bless everybody here today that we will want to live our lives well well so that at the end of the day you will say to every one of us without exception well done well done good and faithful servant oh father we bless you lord we bless you thank you jesus hallelujah can i encourage you as we close look to the lord Look to the Lord. Can you make sure that you order your life well? Can you make sure that you put in order your house? Put in order your family? Put in order your entire life and lifestyle so that you don't chase after shadows but live for God. Hallelujah. If any one of you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, at the end of this sermon, there will be a short prayer. Can I encourage you? Don't procrastinate. Don't say, maybe tomorrow anymore, today. Will you repeat that prayer and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour? And for the rest of us who are Christians, can I encourage you? live your life well and make it count for Jesus. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and your family. May the Lord turn His face towards you and always grant you shalom. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people say, Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this sermon. Have a wonderful week.